Meet Bob Olson. Bob's the author of Answers About the Afterlife and the host of Afterlife TV. A private investigator who began investigating life after death in 1999, Bob now records his interviews with experts, authors, and people who've had extraordinary experiences so he can share it all with you. Enjoy the show. Okay, here we are with Danielle McKinnon from DanielleMcKinnon.com. McKinnon spelled M-A-C-K-I-N-N-O-N. You know, I'm sure a lot of people get that wrong, right, Danielle? Yep, they get it wrong. My old last name was a lot easier. What was it that? It was four letters, C-O-V-E. That was a lot, a lot easier. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Afterlife TV. We really appreciate you being here to answer this question that so many people have which is, you know, do our pets go to the afterlife? Why don't we get right to it? We'll start with that broad question. You can answer it however you want, and then we'll sort of break it apart as we go along. How would you answer that? Because I'm sure this is a question you get quite often by email and, and you know, from your clients. Uh, what happens to the animals that we love when they die? And do they just disappear, poof, you know, no more? Yep, disappear, poof, I don't really have a job. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Well, thank you for coming, Danielle. Appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you another time. Hey, okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> No, seriously, you know, obviously, uh, this is, uh, there's a lot of people who believe in life after death, but they think of it in terms of people. But when it comes to animals, they're not really sure what to think. Um, I, I really do get asked this question all the time. That people want to know that their, their animal who passed over is safe or is happy or is okay. And um, the best way I can answer it is basically to give you a yes. There is a place where animals spend their time when, after they've passed. I don't know if we can exactly call it time, but they spend their time there and we're able to connect with them. I'm able to ask them how they're doing. They're able to talk from that place. Uh, you know, it's actually funny. I have um, animal communication students because I teach people how to do animal communication and a lot of the time I'll have them practice with an animal, but I won't tell them the animal has crossed over. Because yeah. everybody freaks out. They're like, I can't talk to a dog who's crossed. I, you know, so I don't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and it saves a lot of grief, actually, because people get really worried. Yeah. And everybody is able to connect with that animal on the other side. Mm. So it, it's, it's pretty cool. The other neat thing about that is I'll ask people, okay, when they're connecting with an animal on the other side I'll say what uh, what's it look like where they live what's their everyday existence like and they will describe for dogs they describe this like literally like dog utopia there's uh, big huge logs and trees and lots of food and water and bunny and like it's like literally like um, you would think in Bambi you know the movie Bambi when everything looks all nice and sweet it's kind of <clears throat> yeah, like right. dog heaven and um, and people get really comforted by that yeah. But what I tell them about that is that it's really just a, a layer that the animals use to communicate that they're safe and happy on the other side. Mm -hmm. Because really underneath that layer of the trees and the logs and the, the, the rainbows and things like that is just a beautiful home light feeling. And I've, I've talked with animals about that. And, and that's, that's the truth. That's like the essence of where they are. But it's very hard for us as humans to understand. Okay. All right, we'll get more into detail about that in a little mi in a minute. Why don't, you know, can you draw the line for us, though? I mean, we talk about pets, and usually people think cats and dogs, and I don't know how far they go, maybe horses. Uh, where, does, where do we draw the line as far as 
what animals go to the afterlife? You know, what about insects and birds and fish? Where, where do we draw the line, if anywhere? There, there is no line. There is no line. It's, in my experience, it's every animal, every insect, every, insect, every fish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's every, everybody with a consciousness can cross to the other side and can actually still be connected to and communicated with. There, there is no line. I've not been able to not reach someone. I've kind of connected in and had an animal be like, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not interested in talking. I crossed over 30 years ago. You know, I'm all set or, or this isn't the right time for this person to connect with me, etc. But uh, animals can, all animals. I mean, that's cheetahs and zebras and, you know, amoeba. <laughs> all right, but I haven't tried to communicate with an amoeba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and I've never had a pet amoeba either. So. Right. <laughs> but, but spiders, I'm sure spiders are the one exception, right? Because I have no problem, you know, well, we won't even get into that. Let's, me ticks. and spiders, I have issues with spiders. You know For me, I mean? it's ticks. I, don't, I'm, I have a hard time with ticks. <laughs> okay, all right. So no love lost with the ticks if they're not going to the afterlife. But no, I get it. So all animals are going to the afterlife. So does this mean then that all animals have souls? And if so, how would you, how would you define soul? What, what does it mean to have a soul? I would define soul as that, that, that part of the energy that stays intact even when the body leaves. So when the body has deteriorated or stopped functioning, there is this energy that continues on that has a certain signature to it. And that I define as the soul. And every, uh, we know people have souls, but every animal has a soul as well. Every insect, every mammal, every bird, they all have souls. And they all have souls that work in a slightly different way than our human souls. Oh, interesting. Uh, do you want to get into that, or is that a little too in-depth for an interview like this? Um, how, how would they be different? Well, animal souls, and when I say animal souls, I mean animals, mammals, birds, you know, insects. I mean the whole deal, yep. anything that's not human. They have a uh, purpose in coming here, and their purpose is to teach humans. Ah. So, whereas humans came here, we're here, our souls are here to be enlightened, to become a high vibrating, beautiful, loving soul, to learn our lessons. Animal souls are here to help teach humans their lessons. So the, the overall purposes between the two souls are different, but they work together. Interesting. All right. There's another thing that I do want to go back on because I just want to work our way up. You know, anybody that this might be new for will work, will work their way up to that um, in a moment. So... Uh, is there a difference between, uh, when, you're, when you're thinking of it, is there a difference between a soul and a spirit? A spirit, to me, um, I don't really use the word spirit that okay. often because spirit so often includes the um, personality along with the ego, along with all of the pluses and minuses that came along with that personality. Okay. If you think of like a spirit that's here, if you're connecting with a spirit, you know, you might connect with your deceased love grandmother with your grandmother and she might come in and say, what are you doing seeing that man? <laughs> you know? Right. And so she's got her, all of her opinions. She's not really working at that higher level. Yep. So when I'm talking about souls, I'm talking about that higher, deeper level that we often as humans don't go to. We humans tend to stay in more of that, um, 
egoy area where we're more concerned with the everyday details but the soul is more concerned with the big picture and the evolution of that being okay um, that makes a lot of sense to me I never really thought of it in that way I love that description of it so yeah when we're talking about uh, spirit we're talking about really a, a specific uh, ego really if you if you think about it the, the spirit yeah. of who they were when they were here um, as a soul, though, it incorporates all, all the lifetimes that that, that uh, being might have uh, ex- experienced, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what evidence do you have then? You know, you, you discussed some of it, but give some, if you can give some personal examples of evidence that you have that, you know, animals are, are in the afterlife, uh, you know, because, you know, there's going to be some people who will say, that, you know, you might be, you know, it might be like ESP. You're picking up on the memories of the person that you're giving the reading to, that sort of a thing. How do you know that you're actually connecting with this animal uh, in the afterlife? And, and give us some examples of, you know, what has happened when you're communicating with an animal in the afterlife. How do I know that I'm connecting with an animal in the afterlife and not, it's not a memory or, or ESP about it? Um, I mean, actually, the biggest way is faith. My intention is connect is to connect with the animal, and this is what I teach my students. Mm. I want to connect with the animal, so I'm going to connect with the animal. If I spend my time worrying that I'm connecting with a memory, I'm more likely to connect with a memory. I mean, it's definitely, you bring up a legitimate thing, but I teach people to have faith in their intention, and that their intention is everything. So, I, I mean, there's not a way... A memory is going to look different. It's going to feel different. Mm-hmm. It's going to. It's it's going to be from the person's point of view. Mm-hmm. Whereas the information that I'm getting from the animal is going to be specifically from that animal's point of view. So there there would be a difference if the memory almost matches too well with the human's point of view. It would be like um, if it was a memory, and this really doesn't happen. I mean, a very, very because of the intention thing. But if it was a memory. Let's say the memory would be I would be sitting at a dinner table eating food, handing the food down to the dog. Mm. If it was from the dog, the dog would say, I loved being at the dinner table looking up for the food. You know, I'm going to get it from that animal's point of view, not the human's point of view. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I don't run into it very often, and my students don't either, because I teach them to have that, that trust in themselves that just say what you want to receive I want to receive from the animal and that and that you do it's it's not a um, I know you, I know you with how your logical mind thinks it's an easy thing to come up with that it's a mistake that would happen but it's not a frequent it doesn't happen it's not common at all yeah now and I, I know this happens with people but uh, you know I'm not sure about animals do they ever give you information maybe the person isn't aware of either so if so for instance I know with people, I'll use a people example. Maybe you can use an animal example. You know, a person in spirit comes through to a medium and tells them, we'll say, about something that happened, like another person died, that this, the, the sitter, the client, uh, knows, but that client wasn't aware that that person had died yet. They're finding out through the spirit, through the medium. 
Um, is there, has that ever happened with you? So it I mean, happens all the time, really, but not in that way. And I think the difference is because what you're talking about is human to human yeah. or human to, to person on the other side. And what I'm talking about is, um, human to animal soul. Right. And since the animal souls are concerned with the big picture and they're concerned with all this evolution of our human souls, the way they would deliver the message, let's say, um, I, I was working with a woman and her dog and the dog was the dog would say something to me like you know there's an imbalance in the relationship and your boyfriend's attention isn't all focused on you it's focusing other places as well you know the dog would be telling me that rather than your husband's having an affair or your boyfriend's having an affair because they deliver all the messages with love I think when you're actually dealing with people and with deceased love people hmm. they um, Sometimes the message gets delivered a little bit more alarmingly or dramatically, whereas, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you see it on TV. Right, yeah, right. Uh, but the animals choose to deliver the message in a way that could actually help heal the person through the information. So it happens all the time that the person learns new information about themselves or about their life or about their children, but it happens in such a way that it doesn't set the person off like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Yeah. Um, because the animals are so concerned with making sure everything results in a forward evolution. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, I bring up the question because I know there's skeptics out there or people who are even slightly skeptical. And, you know, the ESP thing is something that uh, often comes up with skeptics. You know, the, the medium or the psychic is reading the person's mind. Actually, I don't even know. I've never seen that. I've never actually seen anybody who has been able to read my mind. I've tested I hundreds <laughs> of psychics and mediums. Nobody has been able to read my mind. Well, that's what I was thinking is what is, you know, I'm like actually pretty super psychic. How do, I can't do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I, what? I haven't met yeah. anybody who, who can. And yet, you know, it's, it's a typical, it's like, you know, Skeptics love to go there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, just because it's hard for some people, you know, it, it's easier for us to think that we can read one another's minds than to think that we can actually communicate with someone in the spirit world because to even believe in the spirit world is a giant leap from that, you know. Yeah. All right, but getting back to, to the animals and the afterlife, I'm just curious. I know you've been with animals as they've been passing during a natural death. Yeah. Sad, sad in some ways, although I experienced it about a year and a half ago with a, a cat, and it was a beautiful experience. Yeah. Um, are there stages that take place at the time of death if it's a natural death? And, and, and what are those stages that they sort of go through? That's a great question. And, you know, you notice that when you asked me, when you started talking about this, rather than getting all serious, I noticed I was doing a big smile. Yeah, you know, yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's because... Um, and you have a nice smile, so that works <laughs> well, out good. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's because my experiences with death, with animals passing over, is so positive um, that for me, when I think of an animal crossing over, I actually feel good. Yeah. So you, we're going to start talking about the phases and how this all works. And it's for me on the inside, I'm like, oh, my God, I love talking about this because it's so cool what happens. Um, uh, there's a few things. One is an animal always knows that they're going to cross over, always. They always know. They'll know weeks beforehand. Um, I've met so many people, though, who've come to me and said, well, I talked to an animal communicator, and they said that my horse 
said it was an accident. And I, I, I have not experienced that. Um, what I've experienced is, uh, you know, the, the animal says, yep, it was my time. I'd completed my work with my human and it, it was ready to move on. So they, they choose the time. They choose the method as well, meaning if it's going to be fast, if it's going to be slow, if it's going to be long and drawn out, if it's going to be through a disappearance, all of these things are based on what they feel will work best for their human mm. in terms of helping their human evolve. Oh. On top of that, now we get to the point where they're actually going to cross over. A lot of animals will, if they're, if they're with me, they'll ask me to, um, actually let me change that. If the animal's with me because the human wants them to be with me, the animal will give the human a list of things that they, you know, that would help them to cross over. Okay. You know, I'd like to be in this place or have this person here or hear this music or be in this position or, or go to the vet or not, you know. They, mm. and, but what I found is those things are great, but if the animal didn't have them, it mm. wasn't the end of the world. Because okay. I've talked to animals who both were able to make requests and have the requests granted yep. and w made requests and didn't have the requests granted and both were happy, both were fine on the other side, both totally understood it. It feels like making requests is more of a, um, uh, like something to help them bond and feel feel closer to and help their human along as yep. they cross over. Right. So n now we get to the part where they're actually going to cross over and what, um, it depends on the death how it works. Yep. If it's something like a car accident, so the cat runs out in front of the car, in my experience the animals have always told me, oh I left my body just before impact. You know, I was right outside my body then or when I got scared in the house and jumped up and screeched and then ran out the door, when I screeched I left my body and then I got hit by the car. So they're really not experiencing the pain that we see go on. If it's a, a, a long slow death such as a um, an accident that results in an injury that kills them or if it's a a disease yeah. um, they will stay in their body until their body is no longer comfortable to be in and then there's their energy will kind of hang in cut let's say half in half out tethered to the body kind of like a balloon yeah which is a really cool thing and then I've had a lot of people I've helped them kind of say all right for a natural death, all right, let's help this animal. And they kind of cut that little tether because the yeah. animals say, yes, I'm ready to go. They cut that tether, and then the animal is able to cross over more more quickly and easily. Interesting. Um, how would you cut that tether? I mean, is it just you know telling them it's okay to go or...? That is one way to do it, really speaking with them and saying, it's okay, I release you, have a great time, I'll see you on the other side. Or you can uh, visualize the energy is kind of like a little, little balloon above the animal and just visualize using little scissors and cutting that tether but you don't want to do it unless you really feel like you know what it's time I feel like he wants to pass on his own it's got to be the right moment it's not like okay I'm done yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah but some people will do that I, I've had clients who found out their their dog had cancer and they were so worried that she was going to um, they were so worried that she was going to suffer that the smallest thing happened. They were like, okay, 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 we're going to put her to sleep because we don't want her to suffer. Yeah. And, you know, and it was fine with her. But when I asked her about it, she said, well, I, I could have, I, you know, it was fine. I could have gone on longer. She was, she planned it, 
but at the same time, they had their own plan. <laughs> yeah, you know, I understand that because um, all right, I went through that with my cat, Pesky. The name was Pesky, 22 years old. Um, certainly had lived a long life. and uh, But I remember, you know, most of us, it's one thing if we're going through pain, but it's even harder to watch someone else that you love going through pain. So yeah. it was obvious, you know, we knew we woke up that morning. We could tell this was the day she was on her way out. And my biggest concern was, you know, first of all, I didn't want to move her to bring her to the vet and, because I thought that would just make matters worse, a lot of anxiety. Yep. But then at the same time, I was worried that she was in a lot of pain because, you know, organs are shutting down and stuff. That was obvious. And when I say obvious, I mean, she was fine. It's just I guess that's what I was projecting was that her organs were shutting down. So it wasn't obvious. Bad <laughs> word. And but I was concerned that she was in pain and that it might be better for her if she were helped along in the end. Uh, I was glad that we did it the way we did it. She died on my lap, and we had, we, me and my wife, Melissa, had, had kept putting her on each other's lap for a long time. This lasted a few hours till she finally went. But that was a question that went through our, our mind. Did we make the wrong choice? I was always worried that it would get so painful, and I would have to uh, you know, be with her while she was in all this pain, knowing that I made the wrong choice. For me, that didn't happen. I'm sure that's happened at times where... There's probably more pain involved. Uh, and so that question goes through your head. When, let's talk about that. You know, let's talk about euthanasia. You know, when is it appropriate? When is it not appropriate? You kind of touched upon it, but how does someone make that choice? I'm going to tell the story of a client who, um, she had a dog. He was 17, and he was very, very, very sick. And she knew it was time but at the same time she just wasn't ready so he he definitely had physical pain but like i said remember he's not quite in his body so the suffering isn't really as um as much as we would think yeah so she let it go on a really long time like th i think it was 3 or 4 months until finally um she there was no choice like yeah. She, he couldn't function and, and he had to be put down and then she came to me for a session and she said I just never want to go through that again that was so horrible I can't believe I did that and I said I talked to him and I said well he, he wants you to learn from this and he's saying that your other dog will give you a sign so we talked to the other dog the other dog did this I can't remember what the sign was it was like not eating dinner three nights in a row or some you know some very concrete sign yeah. so that she would know when it was time and sure enough I heard from her a few months later on Facebook and she said thank you so much it helped it worked and and she didn't suffer and I had to put her down but I understood you know so she she needed that type of sign now notice that both of those animals were put to sleep and um, it wasn't a problem yeah, they, uh, you know, animals they don't getting put to sleep is getting put to sleep is no different from um, dying of a natural cause, dying of an accident. I mean, it's just another method that the animal chooses. Yeah. I don't run into animals saying I shouldn't have been put to sleep or why did you do that horrible thing. But I run into tons of people who are like, I can't believe I did it. I feel terrible. I've been feeling guilty for 15 years. And then we talked to the animal. He was like, no, no, <laughs> that was the right decision. I was all done. My body wasn't working and I needed help. 
Yeah. So um, euthanasia is really just a, one of many choices according to the animals. Remember, the animal's choosing how it happens. So you may think you're you're you may think you figured out the right way with Petsky, but it wasn't really you. <laughs> Well, well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, because she was fine the next, uh, the day before. She was fine. We just, we, then we wake up, it was a Sunday, you know, and she, it was just like, I'm checking out today. Yeah, yeah. all done, it. all set. The interesting <laughs> thing, you talked about, you know, maybe if someone's getting hit by a car or something, that, that cry, you know, that, that takes place before. Pesky, um, just maybe seconds or, you know, maybe it was a minute before she stopped breathing, let out this, like, one cry. She was quiet the whole morning. Let out this one. And I was wondering what was going on at that moment. You know, was it her like hanging on? No. What do you think it's that was? It's a really good, good, good question because I can't tell you how many people say to me, I felt like it was the right decision. We we took her to the vet or she was just about to cross over my arms. And then I got this a big burst of energy and a big sound or a big bark or yeah. squiggling around in my arms. It happens all the time. And I mean, and it's really cool what it is. Obviously, I don't feel upset about it. I think yeah. it's really cool. The um, You know how we talked about if an animal's crossing slowly and their their energy kind of tethers in a balloon over them and you have to cut that tut that cord it's the same kind of thing there needs to be a big burst of energy in order to get that soul out of the physical body sure so this is what you're witnessing but the thing is we as humans we see it and we're like oh my god i did the wrong thing you really wanted to live <laughs> everybody yeah. freaks out but it's really that burst in order to get out yeah you know I People should notice, and I, and I hope they do, you know, take notice of um, your demeanor in talking about this. I mean, you know, it, to us, it's a very sad event. You, I'm sure you've lost pets. Yeah. It's a very sad event. Yes. But in that way, because of our loss. But yeah. for them, and this is what you experience, you have that wonderful gift, really, to have experienced this with them. And I think anybody who has experienced um, the loss of a pet with you when you're working with them gets to experience this as well, is that, it's, that it is a beautiful event. It's very natural, and it's, the timing is perfect. I mean, pets are only with us for a short time, you know. And uh, so it's, it's not a sad thing the way you experience it. Yeah. And, and the way that they communicate it to you, even afterwards, that this is just a beautiful, very natural thing that, that we're all going to go through. And I just, I just think it's wonderful for people to take notice. When you talk about it, you are smiling. You have a smile on your face. And it's not like, oh, yeah, it was horrible. I have this story I'm going to tell you. It was horrible. You know, it's not about that at all, is it? No. Yeah. <laughs> and I, wh one thing I want to say quickly about that is that um, when I ask the animals about it, they just consider death to be the next step. Yeah. You know, because there is the soul keeps going. It's just, all right, I've completed my work here, I've done my stuff with my humans and I'm graduating and moving into the next school. Sure. They it it's it, they, they are not attached to it. In fact, the only negativity I've run into with animals about death is that they're concerned about, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to cross over in the next two months or so. I'm really worried about how Judy's going to handle it. Right. You know, we've got to, I, I want to start preparing her. So they'll be concerned for their humans, but mm -hmm. for themselves, it's just, it's as natural as going to the bathroom. It's just, yeah. you know, it, 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 but it's more exciting than going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> well, 
for some people, maybe. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, so, you know, we compare the crossing over of people with, you know, crossing over of, of animals. And I can see that there's some differences there, uh, but there's a lot of similarities. Is there ever anything that's similar to what uh, to a deathbed vision where we talk, we hear about deathbed visions where I'll just use the example of, you know, an elderly person, you know, is getting ready to, to pass and they actually see their loved ones in spirit coming to welcome them home sort of thing. Do you, do you think that ever happens with pets or is it sort of a, a lonely type of transition? It's a, it's um, yes, but no. So what happens is, um, let's say I'm speaking with a pet, and, and I'm going by all this that I'm speaking about me speaking with pets because um, I'm not there for a lot of the the actual passing. Right. But what will happen is I'll, I'll be talking. All right, so you're about ready. You want your death to go like this. You know, we're kind of planning it out, talking with the animal's human, and then it, the um, the animal will say and and will list off so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and and this dog, and that cat, you know, and we'll say, they're all here ready for me to come. So it's basically, it's not like a deathbed vision, it's more like they're so in touch already that they already know who's waiting for them, which is, um, I think, a really cool thing because not only does it help the animal be just comfortable, like, oh, yeah, they're over there waiting for me, but it comforts the human to know that those beings, whether they're human or animal, are waiting as well. All right. Well, that's interesting. Um, You know, in listening to you talk, I mean, it really, it's obvious that animals are much more connected than we are as people, you know, at least most of us. And they, they come from such a higher perspective. And I think so many people are used to thinking of pets as a lower species of some sorts. You know, the way you talk... It's just the opposite. You know, we, 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 they should be our gurus. You know, I mean, that's what it seems like. Is that really the way it works? Yep. You're, you're absolutely right. It's that they're here as our teachers. Mm. And, well, you know, you know what it is? Think of it like um, the animals are here to, to be in service to humans. Now, a lot of people view someone who's in service to them as lower than them. Going to a restaurant and treating the waiter, the lowly waiter and not tipping them well because they're servicing you. You know, there's a lot of people out there who think like that. But it's a big deal to say, I'm going to dedicate myself to to serving you. You know, this is... This is what light workers do all the time, and it's also what animals are doing. I'm going to dedicate myself to serving humans, but they, it's a choice they've made. It's not they're lower and they're trying to get up to our level. They're actually trying to help us, and what they're trying to help us do is learn unconditional love. If you look at animals, that's what they open in humans. You know, they do it through many, many different ways, but that's what they bring out in humans. So this is not a a lowly, oh, he's my companion and I love him so much. This is really animals have the potential to open up people's hearts in ways that many people avoid um, at every turn. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, because, well, just because I don't think there's a lot of people who really think of their their pets in that way. and certainly, I meet a I, lot of people who do. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Your perspective is a little different than most people's, I think. Um, but I think if all of a sudden we could start to look at our animals in that way, 
it, it changes our relationship. Um, you know, no, no question about it to think of them uh, in that way. But the other thing, which is related to this, uh, like going back to that question about deathbed visions. So it sounds because they have this higher perspective, which is a higher perspective all the time, therefore they don't need to have deathbed visions because they're already they're more in connection with the spirit world, we'll say, than than we are as humans because we have this sort of um, I don't know it's like it's like our memory of that sort of thing gets erased at a certain point in our childhood. I don't know, but oh, animals never really it. lose that. What's that? Humans have a, uh, so if we have a curtain between the other side. A curtain, and great a word. Curtain, we humans have a much thicker curtain than animals. <laughs> <laughs> animals' curtain is pretty much see-through. You know, it's, it's still there, but it's see-through. So they can hang out in both planes a lot. Yeah. They connect with, you know, I meet a lot of people who say, well, does he miss you know, Chewy, who died three years ago, I think he misses Chewy. And, he, and I'll talk to the animal, and I was like, I'll miss Chewy's here like five times a week. I don't miss Chewy. <laughs> Chewy's kind of annoying. <laughs> so, you know, they're just in and out, back and forth very easily. We humans, since we're working on learning unconditional love and we're learning it through, let's say, having challenges as humans, yep. that curtain has to be thicker. Yeah. So um, he, animals can do it much more easily. So you can see how with a thinner curtain, crossing over is not going to be as big of a deal to them. Right. It's just a shift in the energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about after-death communication. Um, there's a great book out there uh, called Hello from Heaven by Bill and Judith uh, Guggenheim. And they talk about all the, the signals and signs that people send us from the spirit world, to try to let us know that they're there. And I wondered if uh, pets do this sort of thing as well. Do they try to send us signs and signals to let, to let us know that they're around us? Yeah, they do. They, and they do it all the time. Uh, and I'll go over some of the signals. But first I want to say that it's only successful if their human is um, in a good space about their passing. Okay. If the human is holding on to their energy if the human is stuck in that grief and and you know I, sometimes I meet people who want closure on their 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 pet passing and I'll connect in with them their energy the pet the soul of the pet and I'll get alright this feels like it's happened like last week and they'll say no this happened 14 years ago because <laughs> they haven't moved yeah I mean just picture holding that energy so tight that every day they're keeping that wound so open so if someone's in that type of position they're not going to be able to receive messages very well yeah and, and we can talk about that more in a minute if you want to but the messages let, let's say it's somebody who's like I miss them and I love them, but they're in a more balanced place with it. They're kind of moving forward. They accept that he's crossed over, etc. If if it's someone in that type of balanced place, um, they send messages in some of the same ways that humans will send messages from the other side. And that's, um, you know, a popular one would be the a, a bird who's crossed over and for no reason whatsoever, suddenly one of the bird's feathers is in the middle of the room. You know, that's I. I think that's cool. Or the dog's toy shows up. Sometimes um, they'll get messages through by uh, their name being repeated several times. So you'll be watching TV and you'll hear Rudy, 
and then you'll be reading a book and you'll read Rudy and then half an hour later someone talks about their friend Rudy you know and mm. it's it's just a way of saying hi I'm here yeah uh, they they are very effective at getting messages through but we have to be in the right place to receive the messages and if we're not as as people then it can be very frustrating because it's like I want to see yeah one of the most effective ways that animals can get their messages through from the other side is actually dreams. And a lot of people, even the people who've been in grief for 14 years, they'll get um, like a dream in which the animal shows up and says hi, or they're just petting the animal, just some a quick little togetherness, mm -hmm. and that's the whole dream. Yeah. But that's about all they can get through because that human has all that, that grief. But the, sure. dreams is a really popular way they bring their messages through. That's great. I know with people, uh, uh, dream visitations like that, usually they, they say that the, the, the dream is much more vis vivid than, than their other dreams. Like, you know, it's like, uh, and, and it's something that I mean, if they had it two years ago, they remember it as if they had it last night. They're, they're easy to remember. Probably, probably the same thing, you think? or? Um, I haven't experienced that. I've experienced mm. it. I mean, because think of it this way. For a human to come through in a dream, yeah. because the veil is so thick and, and it's a human's energy, it's just there has to be a lot more energy behind it, which yeah. to me feels like it would make the dream more vivid. For an animal to do it, it's not as big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it can kind of feel more routine. I'd love to say, yes, it would be this powerful visual thing, but right. I, I haven't heard that. The animals, they just they come through in kind of a regular dream. But if they show up, you pretty much have to trust it. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, I see. So there's a theme here that's going on. And again, it just keeps going back to the fact that the animals are always somewhat connected to the spirit world, even while they're here. So everything's easier, even their transi transition back. And then, like you say, their ability to communicate once back in the spirit world, because it's, it's almost as though they never really left there, you know, yep. at least most of them. Um, as a medium, what do, you know, you communicate, I know you communicate with animals who are living as well as past, but when you're communicating with animals who are past, what, what are the typical things that they want to communicate to their, their owners, their loved ones still here? A lot of times it'll have to do with the work that they were helping their human do. And it will be, hey, you're doing better with your anxiety, or um, hey, see so you got a new job and it feels good. You know, they'll, they kind of want to let their human know I've been watching and, and give them a little update. They basically want to want the human to know I've been around, I love you, I see what you're doing, you're doing a good job. They want to give messages of encouragement. Yeah. But the funny thing is that it's always the human who wants to communicate with the pet on the other side. I don't have pets knocking in my head saying, I've got to tell her something. You know you know how other mediums yeah. working with humans, the human shows up while they're going to the bathroom or something, you know, the deceased loved one, oh, I've got the message, okay, and, and they've got to get the message out. Animals don't work that way. It's really, it's, the, it's us as humans, we're so connected and often so worried that we're the ones seeking out the messages, whereas the animals kind of sit in that place of, hey, I love, and I'm here, and okay, you want to talk? Cool, we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, whether it be a private reading or if a medium's on stage giving, you know, random readings to people in the audience, uh, I, you know, obviously there's, there's a a lot of spirits who are trying to get through to someone who's a medium who's on stage yep. but when they're giving readings 
I've seen this so many times that the medium will say, oh, you know, uh, a little border collie just ran in front of me. It, it's just, it's not, they're not trying to right. impress upon any right. messages. Just, hey, look, I'm here. You know, yeah, notice me, exactly. I'm here. Just let them know I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I love You're it. Totally it, it's right. So, they're so much more relaxed, aren't they? <laughs> well, they, I mean, they're just not all caught up in all that human stuff. Yeah. You know, the, it's funny because animals can understand everything that we know, do, say, feel, hear. Yeah. But they also know not to bother with a lot of it. <laughs> I, it's fascinating to me. I, I, I love the message that's getting through in this, in this interview. Uh, so, all right, so... You know, we know that you and other mediums can connect with animals and spirit. Um, can 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 any anyone can you know? You talked about this at the beginning. You know, can anyone even if we don't feel as though we have that ability, do we have the ability to connect with our deceased pets in in the afterlife? Yes, everybody has the ability to do it. Um, it's just a matter of kind of figuring out a way that works for you, you know, mm -hmm. learning a technique, because most people can't just from scratch start doing it, because yep. um, we're human and we put up little blocks like, I can't just do that, <laughs> Right. you know? Yeah. So it feels good to have someone say, all right, do step one, step two, step three, Right. but everybody can do it. Mm. The only people I run into who can't do it are people who have like, um, uh, like a learning type problem they don't believe they can do it so they they are not settling their brain down enough you know how I keep talking about you have to be clear you know I was talking about not full of grief but clear if someone's yeah. not clear or grounded they're not going to be able to do it so there there have been a couple people in the years of me teaching people to do it who just like couldn't sit still for 15 minutes to get the information so it was kind of like they couldn't even start the technique because their brain and their mind were so going but pretty much everybody else can do it is it make it difficult for the medium as well if someone is dealing with such deep grief for you to be able to connect with with the 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 animal or does that not affect the reading it can affect the reading but i've learned how to change that yeah. Um, uh, 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 first of all, I've had to learn how to be very calm, clear, and grounded despite whatever is going on around me. You know, a person could be having the biggest crying spell, so upset about what we're doing, and I have to remain pretty much like I am now, or the connection won't stay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there have been times when that person's upset energy has kind of overtaken me, mm -hmm. and I've learned how to how to kind of push it aside. Yeah. so that I can get around it and get back to the connection. But it makes me feel like, oh my gosh, this person must feel I'm, I'm heartless because here they are so upset and I'm still like this, but I, I have to stay like this. But a, a person's grief can get in the way of me doing the reading. It sure. can get in the way of what they're receiving, yeah. um, which is why when I'm working with someone, I help them manage their energy, manage their grief, understand it a little bit, so that it's not kind of pushing them down because everybody's going to go through grief when an animal passes or a human passes when something happens like that but there are ways to help yourself through it rather than letting it kind of take you all the way down and right. at first it's going to take everybody all the way down you know sure. but how do you come back from that um, helping people come back from that is is actually something I, I love to do because once they start to understand the bigger picture 
it's cool to watch them then kind of get a glimpse of, oh, and if I stay like this for a little bit, I can have some healing and I can get some information that really helps me. Yeah. I think there's a lot of reasons that we grieve, um, but if you actually do some investigation of the afterlife on your own, like having a, a reading with a, with a psychic medium and, and seeing that evidence, you know, this medium telling you things that you could not pos- they could not possibly know. And about the person or the animal and spirit, uh, you know, the messages that are coming through, maybe about memories that, again, the medium could not possibly know. When you have that kind of evidence and you start to believe uh, in the afterlife or you eventually get to a knowing about the afterlife, it gives you a sense of comfort. You never stop grieving the loss that, that takes place, you know, the right. physical loss, the companionship, those types of things. But, but I think... A big part of the pain that comes with grief comes with just not knowing, not knowing if, you know, are they in pain? I mean, these are some of the biggest questions. Are they not like, are they okay? You know, are they, you know, are they in pain? You know, are they still sick or, you know, all these kinds of questions. Once you recognize that they're in a place of peace and love and warmth and, you know, and, and joy, then I think all those aspects that cause our grief to, to be more painful get pushed aside. And now it's just about the loss, of the physical loss, the loss of companionship, not being able to hug them and that sort of thing, be with them. Um, but even knowing that you can talk to them and, and they can hear you sort of thing has got to help, I'm sure. Uh, which brings me to uh, one of the next questions, which is, you know, when we when we talk when we when we think of our pets uh after they've passed uh, maybe talk to them or pray to them uh, do they always hear us or is there something we need to do you know dial them up or you know what is, you know what is what needs to be done in order to to for them to communicate with them even if we can't hear them um it's funny because everybody asks that question I'll say, call on your guides or talk to your pet or, you know, let them know. And they'll say, well, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thinks you have. And that's because there's a lot of um, uh, religions out there and a lot of uh, different teachers out there who say you have to say it this way and you have to say it that way to dial into the right energy, blah, blah, blah. In my experience, you just have to have the intention. You know, set your intention. I want to talk to Pesky. I want to let Pesky know I love him. You know, and send a picture or a feeling or the words to Pesky, mm-hmm. and he'll get it. There are not special words. Perhaps there are. I'm sure there are for certain other things. But to connect in and let an animal know, you know, hey, I'll be home in an hour, or the plan changed, or hope you're okay, we'll be, we'll be back from vacation in three weeks, yep. <laughs> or stop touching your brother, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever it happens to be, it's just through um, intention of, I want to send this message to Pesky, this is who I'm thinking of, and this is where the message is going. Now, that's cool. Uh, can I just ask, because you kind of, again, you kind of glanced by it earlier and <laughs> something that you said, and so you made me curious. Uh, what do pets do in the afterlife? You know, <laughs> what are they doing up there? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. No. I know what they do when they're connecting with us. Yeah. I know what they do when they talk about, hey, I, um, I've seen mom, you know, and they give us updates, but I don't, I don't have, they don't give me, there isn't, like, if you ask an animal, what do you do all the time? 
<laughs> you know, I'll get some laying in the sun, you know, just, it's just being, it's not, I'm visiting everybody four times a week and that, you know, it, yeah, it, yeah. it's not like that. There's no scheduled thing. Right. It just feels like being, but I haven't had an animal, any, any animal. And you've got to know that this question's asked a lot. Sure. Really explain that in detail. I feel like it's something that we as humans aren't really supposed to get yet. Yeah, it might be beyond us, our comprehension. Like, yeah, like we can't understand. I, <laughs> I get, I get laying in the sun. Okay, probably isn't literally laying in the sun. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. <laughs> but that's that layer they put on there so we can understand. They're trying to make it so humans understand. They dumb it down for us. Yeah, they pretty much do. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, what can pet owners do? You know, you, you talked about some things, but maybe you could just give us some basic guidelines. What can we do first to help our, pan, our pets transition if we know that they're sick um, or if we, especially if we know that they're dying? Let's just say they're starting. We know maybe it's they're about to go. They're, they, they can't control their bowel movements anymore, whatever it may be, these little signs or big signs. What can we do to help with their transition while they're here? And then after they've passed, you know, is there something that we can do after they've passed in any way or do, or, or do they not need our help in that way? So with the upcoming transition, it, it's really individual in a sense because it's, hey, I'd like to be here or I'd like to do this or I'd like these people around. But even if you can't communicate with animals like I can, mm -hmm. you still, of course, know your animal well enough to know who he really likes, who is a calming influence you know, what his favorite things are, how comfortable he would be at the vet versus at home. Yeah. And and so, I mean, it's really about comfort. That That's what the end is. Yeah. And it's about, now remember, since the animal plans his, his death, it's about the human feeling like they did everything that they could mm -hmm. to feel good about the passing. I see. If that makes sense. It's not so much like you have to have all the right things. Oh, my God, I didn't talk to Danielle, and so I didn't know if he wanted his favorite bed. It's not about that. Right. It's do I feel like I did everything? Yeah. And if I feel good about it and I feel okay with this passing, then that's going to be everything that the animal needs. You know, something I learned years ago, and, and, and again, you know, I, what you're saying here is that there's no right or wrong. You, you really can't do any wrong, um, so don't. Don't get down on yourself if you didn't do something. But something I wasn't even aware a few years ago until I heard somebody did it. You know, growing up, it was like we dropped our pets off, you know, at, at the doctor. Um, we had like a Dr. Kevorkian who just wanted to put all our pets. Um, you know, oh, he's got a cold, put him under. You know, and I, I lost a lot of pets that way. But he, you know, we used to just drop them off, you know, and all of a sudden somewhere in my adulthood someone tells me oh no i was with you know i was with him and i held him when they gave him the shot and you know i had music playing someone the first person who told me did did everything you know what i mean yeah. they did it at the vet but they had music playing and they had this beautiful bed that they had brought for him you know you can go that far most vets will allow that sort of thing won't they Oh, yeah. yeah. They'll allow you to bring whatever you want in the room. I, I haven't actually encountered anybody who couldn't bring whatever they wanted. And people will bring, you know, the big comforter from their bed because that's his favorite comforter. You know, yeah. they, they, will, they will go all out. And I, I've seen, I haven't actually ever heard of a vet not accepting that. And some vets will actually come to the house. You just probably have to ask, right? Yep. Um, yeah. And 
that really, I know, you know, it's more expensive than a regular vet visit, but for some animals, actually, let's say for some humans, <laughs> it would be too hard on them to bring their pet to the vet when they see their pet being visibly, physically upset. So it's going to feel better to the human and calmer for everybody to bring the vet to home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't answer the second part of your question. Which was uh, Which after was afterwards. Yeah. Yes. Afterwards, um, the best thing that a person can do is, is actually, and you know, you're going to say, of course, but is actually work on healing themselves, work okay. on thinking about the animal positively, work on understanding the passing, work on any guilt feelings that come up, you know, because the clearer that person is, the more the animal is going to be able to get through messages, maybe hang out, maybe continue working with that human as a as a guide from the other side. Mm. So it's kind of like, all right, my pet crossed, I feel bad, I miss him, but I'm going to do this in a healthy way so that we can still experience some things together and, and I can feel good about him and, and see what comes of that. Yeah, because what I've heard from you during this whole interview is because they see a, the bigger picture, um, and they really come play from a place of compassion and forgiveness for for us. And they they seem. I, I would imagine that they are more concerned about what we're going through after their passing. And so, therefore, the more suffering that we have, probably the harder it is on them. And that's probably true with people as well. But you know, the way you have described pets and their role in our lives, uh, it seems really important that we uh, do what we can to uh, go easy on ourselves and, and not start to feel bad about all the things we could have or should have done with that pet and just uh, and move past it and know they're in a great place and we did the best that we could, right? Yeah. Um, if, if we're stuck in that place where we're feeling, to, I feel so badly, I wasn't there. You know, I wasn't there when he crossed over when he, and I feel so badly. I, I left for school or I left for work or whatever it was. I meet a lot of people who feel badly about that. They, they, uh, the guilt carries over afterwards and they spend so much time feeling badly that they never spend any time remembering all the good. Yeah. And that slows down the healing and it slows down the animal's ability to reconnect. Yeah. And on top of that, I just want to say for all those people who are all who feel badly because they weren't there, the animal didn't want them there. That's what it comes down to. That for whatever reason that animal felt it was better to cross over alone. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And there could be a million reasons for that, you know. Yeah. Just yeah. one being thinking it was going to be more difficult on you. You know, I ran into one recently where the 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 whole family was so high strung, yep, that none of they all would have run around like chickens with their heads cut off if they had been there. Yeah. So instead, the animal uh, he crossed over during the night, yeah. and sure they woke up and they were really upset, but it saved them for for him doing it that way from running around like that and then yeah. feeling like they didn't do the right thing. So I mean, he did a nice thing there. Oh, that's cool. All right. Now, one of the things that you, that you do is animal communication, and I mentioned this in the, in the introduction, but you're also known as a soul contract intuitive. And a soul contract intuitive is basically you use your psychic abilities to uh, recognize what are 
contracts are with one another before we come into this life. So especially the significant people in our lives, I know you can take it pretty much to anybody that we get in touch with, but certainly our, you know, our siblings and our parents and our coworkers and you know, our lovers and spouses, whatever it may be, um, those people play such a significant role in our lives. And we have uh, contracts with them before coming into this life as to what we're going to do for them, what they're going to do for us. Do, did I describe that correctly? Yeah. Okay. Yes, perfectly. And so we do the same thing with the animals in our lives, right? So uh, could, you, could you explain how this sole con contract idea uh, applies to our relationships with our pets, even though I know you've touched upon it throughout this whole interview? Yeah, I pretty much touched upon it, yeah, the whole time without using the word sole contract. So, yeah. so it'll be easy for people to understand now. Yeah. Um, it's the idea that the animal is doing everything possible to complete or work with the contract that he has with his human. So this is a contract that is put in place before the animal and the human are in their bodies, so before embodiment, and that contract says something like, um, this dog is going to help this person become more independent, or this cat is going to help this woman uh, feel good about being single. You know, I know those are similar, but they're actually very different yeah. <laughs> um, ideas. Uh, so a soul contract will center on kind of a main theme for a person, something that they came in to look, work on. What I've seen is that we all have our soul purpose, which mm -hmm. makes sense, what we came here to do. But we also have these soul lessons, things that we want to master in this lifetime. And usually the soul contract between an animal and a person uh, addresses one of the soul lessons. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, perfectly. And, and so, I mean, really, this just ties together everything that you've talked about, about their higher purpose in our lives and, and how, you know, yes, they're, they're, they're serving us more than, you know, what most of us think is that we're here to take care of our pets. And, of course, we are physically, but this seems to come from a more spiritual and emotional place, um, what you're talking about here. If... Um, can you give us an example, maybe just one example or two examples of what a soul contract with an animal, maybe even your own with one of your <laughs> dogs or something is? <laughs> you, sure. don't, you don't have to do that, but I, I know you <laughs> no, shared, no, I can. You shared it and, before. So. And actually, I want to because here's the thing. So I've got this ability. I can connect with animals. I can communicate. You know, you'd think I would have perfect animals, right? Right. <laughs> right. I don't. <laughs> and here's the reason why. My animals are helping me be better. So the way that an animal will often choose to carry out a soul contract is through a, a behavior or a, a characteristic or a trait that maybe isn't perfect. So I have an animal, I, I have Bella. Anybody who's listened to anything I've ever done has heard about Bella. So, um, and Bella is a, an excited, happy chocolate lab, you know, exuberant, and her her sole contract with me is to help me always be the leader. You know, to help me always, because there, there have been times in my life where I'll take the back seat and be like, I don't know, I'm just learning, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so when I go into that energy, exuberant Bella will start jumping 
on people. And you know, she's at the now she's less, but she was 80 pounds for a good part of her life. Mm -hmm. So 80 pounds of chocolate lab going doing, doing right on a person, you know, yeah. really kind of made me go, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. So I had to take a look at the soul contract, had to work with my energy and how I was thinking about myself and feeling within myself. And the better I felt, the more kind of leadership I took in my own life and control and like type A drive, you know, that go, go, go thing, the more I stood within that, the less Bella jumped. So that was her method for getting her soul contract message through to me about how I needed to be behaving in order to move forward in my life. Did that oh, make sense? it's amazing. It's very subtle. Uh, but it, what a great reminder that must be. <laughs> no. <laughs> doing, doing. Yeah, well, in that way. Yeah. <laughs> But the but but the purpose of it, yeah, you know, <laughs> yes. you, certainly you could go through a whole lifetime and and not know what why the dog is jumping on people, and um, and so yeah, it's subtle in that when it's happening, it brings your awareness back to say, hey, you know what, you know, I don't, I, I shouldn't, I, maybe maybe you're being a pushover in this in this incident, you know, take 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 charge, show a more leadership role in this whatever's going on here. I love that. That's that's excellent. <laughs> That, but I, it also, I mean, so many people think my dogs are going to be perfect, but with soul contracts in existence, I'm not perfect, so they're not going to be perfect. Well, yeah, what would be the purpose of it, right? Right. Why would I be here human? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why would they be here? <laughs> right. Just, you wouldn't have an animal in your life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what's interesting now, I, I've had readings from you, and people know that they, uh, underneath this video, there's a link to the article that I wrote about my reading uh, readings with you and and one of the things that we did we we did uh, a reading of spirit communication but we also talked about soul contracts with people who are in my life so you do the same thing with people who are in your life and yeah. it's just it's this it's, it's just as fascinating same concept uh we're here to teach one another and help one another with different things and uh in our lifetime goals here or whatever it may be that we came here to do and uh but one of the things I recognized both from recognizing the soul contract with my dog and my soul contract with um, a, a relative of mine was that it helped me understand both of them better and gave me, gave me a bigger picture of what was going on. And so maybe we'll say with the relative, if there were things that uh, might have annoyed me before after having the reading with you and recognizing the big picture, and it made total sense once you brought it to my attention, all of a sudden, those things were not annoying to me anymore. I had compassion for why the person behaved in that way and, um, and treated me in the way that they did. Uh, it was such a relief. It brought such a sense of inner peace. This kind of work is really important. And I'm sure, you, you, I mean, I say that as a compliment to you. I also say it to our, for our viewers to understand that if someone's pushing your buttons out there, there's probably a reason why, just like Bella is jumping on people, there's a, there's a reason why, right? Yep, and that's the way, that's the place to start as well. If someone's pushing your buttons, what state are you in when they're pushing your buttons? What's going on at the time? What just happened? What's about to happen? And through that, you're going to be able to figure out what the sole contract between you and that animal is or you and that person. Yeah, and it's, you know, and it's interesting. I mean, we don't all need someone um, to do this for right. us. right. Uh, I, when I had the reading with you, I, there was no way I possibly thought I could do it on my own. 
uh, I started doing some stuff this summer where I would go into sort of like an altered state, you might call it hypnosis, whatever you want to call it, and I would go in and I would, uh, and I would work on my own. Well, someone was helping me with the guiding me into the altered state, into the hypnotic state. Um, once there, we would work on some of these soul contracts that I had with other people in my life. And it was the exact same thing. Once I saw the, the big picture, and yeah. you know, it was just a bird's eye view on it. All of a sudden, everything changed. My relationship with that person changed. So um, if, if someone feels like they, uh, they're not ready yet to try to do that on their own, I highly recommend that they, they call you up and get a, a, a soul contract reading with you, whether it be with people or pets. Uh, but I think sometimes, you know, they can have that reading with you, and then that leads them to later being able to do it on their own. Yeah. yeah. And now you can see why when we're talking about the crossing over of animals, because I have such a big picture view from the animals, it's not it's not negative for me. Yeah. You know, it's it's just beautiful. I mean, it, I love to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. It's like I, get the big picture. Well, with that said, and maybe those are your final words, I didn't know if you had any final words or advice for people who are grieving the loss of a pet. Any just, you know, anything that maybe I missed asking you about or that you think is important? I would say for those people who are who are grieving the loss of their pet, it's it's helpful to step back and think about, you know, was this perhaps a good time for this to happen? What is there a bigger picture, a bigger lesson I can take from this? If my pet really planned this out and decided that now was the right time, can I figure out why now was the right time? Because if you if you know why, mm. it helps so much. Like, oh, I was getting a new job. I just broke up with my boyfriend, and I've I've started this whole new career. You know, all this stuff was changing in my life, and my work with you know, Josie or whatever your, your animal's name, it was no longer necessary. He got me to this place and it was no longer necessary. So there's, there's always going to be a reason why. And if you can step back and look and explore for the why, yeah. when you start coming up with little bits of it, you're going to start feeling a little better. It doesn't mean that you won't miss your pet. No. It doesn't mean it won't feel the loss, right. but understanding it can help with some of the other stuff that we humans put on, put in there along yeah. with yeah. death. I love it. That's beautiful. I want to thank you so much. And I want to mention uh, some of the services that you offer uh, are intuitive consultations. And so that can be regarding uh, just personal matters, any personal matters, kind of guidance that someone might need, direction, but also talking about soul contracts with either people or animals. Uh, you do animal communication. And again, that can be with animals who are alive or past. Uh, yep. Either way, you do both. Uh, you do clearings, and if they read my article, I had a clearing, which was really cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was new for me, so I had a clearing. Sort of removing energetic blockages, right? Could you kind of describe it as that? And they can read all about this on your website. Um, but you also do, and this is one of my favorite things, is that you do intuitive mentoring. And so you can just take mm. average people like me who never think they could do this in in the world well i'll just give one example you gave a workshop uh at, at a at a place that we have which is actually where i'm sitting right now in kennebunkport uh maine you came you gave a workshop uh teaching pretty much the same stuff that you teach with your intuitive mentoring i had uh sat through most of the workshop. I had to leave and take my dog for a walk, oh, yeah. actually. I came back, and when I did, you were, you were doing this test where you had photographs <laughs> on the wall, 
And I walked in and you said, okay, Bob, what are you getting on this dog right here? Which happened to be Bella, wasn't it? It was Bella. Was it yeah, Bella? it was on Bella. Yeah, yeah, it was Bella. So here I am. I'm in the spotlight. I didn't know what was going on. And so I just started spouting these things off that were popping into my head. And lo and behold, I mean, like 80% of it was really accurate. I was blown away and things, you know, like I knew that she had been in a, in a car accident not a car accident. She'd been hit by a car, uh, had this trauma. There was, there was things that I couldn't have possibly known. I am not a medium, uh, and not a, not a, I'm not a psychic, but you showed me that it was possible. And I figured if I can do it, anybody can do it. So anybody who's interested in learning these sorts of things, this intuitive mentoring that you offer, I think is just a really valuable thing. And you do it, now tell me, do you, you do it one-on-one, but you also do it in groups or is a combination? Nope. I do it one-on-one. Yeah? And um, I'll, I just took another kind of crop of students in for mm-hmm. the fall, winter. Mm-hmm. So they'll go through and then I think the next group will start up in the spring. Cool, but you do something by teleconference as well, right? Uh, yeah, I do. I do uh, classes yeah. by teleconference. So I'll get everybody together and, and teach them. And actually, the coolest thing about that is I'll have them do exercises in the classes. Yeah. And I'll even record the classes and have people later on buy the classes and do the same psychic exercises, and they still work. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's amazing. I, I've had regressions you know, where they were like really tearful regressions and then I'll have recorded them and I'll start listening to them later and next thing I know, tears yeah. are running down my face while I'm listening to the damn thing. So anyways. You're going right back into the energy. <laughs> it was great. So anyways, thank you so much for joining us here at Afterlife TV. You know, I think people probably know, uh, you know, we're friends as well. I got to know you. It was, it was, it was well over a year that that we got to know each other before I finally tested you and approved yeah. you for bestpsychicmediums.com. And I've had nothing, I, absolutely 100% nothing but positive feedback from the people who have <laughs> used my referral to, to, to work with you in one way or another. And people, awesome. people love it. So awesome. that's, that's a compliment to, to me. That makes me look better. Yeah. Anyway, so thank you. This <laughs> was job. a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And, thank uh, you. And we'll do thank it again. We'll talk about some other subjects sometime. Cool. I'd love to. Thank you, Danielle. You're welcome. Bye, Bob. Bye now. (laughs) That's all for another fantastic Afterlife TV episode. Bob couldn't be happier. If you enjoyed this episode as much as Bob, please leave a comment on AfterlifeTV.com, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. And don't forget to check out Bob's book, Answers About the Afterlife. Thanks for watching Afterlife TV.